Hi, I'm Russ Camarda, an independent filmmaker and actor in New York, and in between the chances I get to do my creative projects, I love to sit down and talk with other artists to see how it is they do what they do, how they take art and use their craft to reveal truth to an audience. So in this series of conversations, you'll meet some people you may recognize, some people you won't recognize, but they're all independent artists and we'll get in-depth in a long-form conversation to see how it is they do what they do. Welcome to Art Craft Truth. This time on Art Craft Truth, a true pioneer in her craft, Keiko Tsuyama. She was the first female reporter to join 70 male colleagues on the financial beat of the Kyoto News, Japan's largest wire service. She's a columnist and writes for prestigious magazines in Japan. She covered the 2008 presidential election from the Iowa caucuses all the way to Inauguration Day. Some of the people she's interviewed include Mark Zuckerberg, Eric Schmidt, the Google CEO, Steve Chen, the founder of YouTube, Ambassador John Bolton, and Ted Turner. This is a great conversation that dives deep into the craft and responsibility and the place journalism has in our society, as well as highlighting all the interesting cultural differences between East and West in that field. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did Keiko Tsuyama. Thank you so much for, for doing this. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me for this, you know, exciting project. I'm just a little bit nervous because I've never been interviewed on video. So. Okay, well, I'm very nervous because I'm so far out of my depth of knowledge and expertise with what you do. So I'm really curious and uh, I'll probably ask a lot of dumb questions. So you'll have to stay with me on that one and, and, and kind of walk me through it a little bit. But uh, But we'll have fun. And what I hope more than an interview um i try to make these it's it's a conversation so mm. i'm a filmmaker and an actor and stuff so you can turn the tables on me and if you find something interesting you want to ask please you know we'll, we'll turn it into a conversation i don't want it to be like i'm interviewing you we're, we're, we're talking about our crafts you know and that's what i that's what i'm hoping for sure um all right so first of all let me make sure i get your name uh pronounced correctly it's keiko tsuyama yes keiko. keiko tsuyama and then i always um say to people it's keiko like j-lo <laughs> <laughs> i like it i like that <laughs> because you know it's spelled out k-e-i-k-o so a lot of people pronounce it kiko uh yeah <laughs> keiko like j-lo <laughs> yes k-e-ko uh with a little Eh? <laughs> right. like Taylor. Right, right, right. Well, you know, uh, we're going to, uh, I try and go in a linear fashion kind of through your career and life and stuff. But if I find things, we kind of bounce around different tangents, like uh, we might take a little different roads. But I was reading somewhere recently um, about you, just, just doing some brief reading, that uh, you like, especially recently, you like to talk to like the regular folks, you know, the regular average American folks, because you've talked to some high powered big names, but you love the, the factory worker and that. Um, and in me, you have that. I, ha I am the regular average uh, American guy. So um, I'm curious, what is it about that? Let's start with that. What, what is it about that, that that's interesting to you now? I think, you know, finally I understood that. Uh, because I started my career as a reporter with the largest news agency in Japan. It's called the Kyoto News, mm -hmm. and it's Japan's Associated Press. Right. 
So, you know, they had a thousand reporters and, you know, we are competing with other news organizations uh, who will get a big interviews, mm. like, you know, chief executive officers, the president of the United States. Uh, so that was our criteria, uh, the top criteria back then. But uh, since I became freelancer, and my focus has been always uh, kind of giving that human face mm. or human touch mm. into the stories that I write. So I was in a business news beat. So it's all about money. <laughs> but you know, money about money is about people too, right, right. ultimately. So I always try to put some kind of uh, sentences or paragraph that focus on human interest. So what, what about the particular sort of average American culture that you, that you discovered uh, as you talked to these people? What, did things surprise you? Did, things, uh, were, did you learn things about this culture that you didn't know? Like what have you come to learn from that human touch on the American side? There are so many things. <laughs> it's really hard to, you know, pin, uh, pinpoint. Uh, but um, you know, every day is learning because I talk to different people. But um, I can. So recently, I am reporting about the anti-Asian hate, right, right, crime and harassment. So I am covering protests in New York City, mm. and then I'm talking to my Asian um, decent friends uh, in my neighborhood. And then I realized that, um, I realized and then you know, almost discovered that the hate or uh, towards the Asian people have been here for many, many, many years. But having lived uh, in the city for 18 years, I just didn't see it. Mm. Um, so, uh, for example, when I'm walking on the streets, people say, Ni hao. And I was just thinking, <laughs> Uh, you know, it's just a hello. Mm. So I said hello, not ni hao, because that's not my language. Right. But you know, it's a um, it's it's a sexual harassment, mm. and then it's a racial harassment right. as well. And then I finally understood that mm. um, covering this, you know, very sad uh, trend in the United States. So every day, you know, I discover different things uh, from the conversation with my, my neighbors and people. Yeah, well, it's the paradox of this experiment that is our country, uh, that it's, it's such a, 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 a the, the foundation is built on this welcoming sort of open, you know, thing where everybody can from other places can can come and be one uh, society, but it's so filled with fear of the other. And when that, when they light the fires under that, this is the kind of stuff that bubbles up. And it's, it's really been the, the history of this country is this paradox of, you know, bring us your tired and your poor and your hungry and 
and at the same time we're afraid of everybody outside so you right. know how we ju- it's sort of this schizophrenic uh version of of who we are it must be interesting right. to see from your perspective yeah but in terms of you know journalism it's very important to for me uh, to experience that right. by myself so that I can uh, convey my message uh, to Japanese readers. Right. And then, you know, most of them are not uh, familiar with the United States culture or, you know, Americans' mindsets. And many of them never left Japan. Mm. But, you know, when you leave Japan, or any Asian country, you are racial minority. And, and I, I want people to understand that. Right, so right. Uh, it's a good lesson for me. And right. it's a good lesson for my audience as well. Right. Well, that, that's we're going to talk about that. This, this is really what I want to get into is the craft of journalism, what you think the responsibility of the journalist is and, and how you actually do it, like how you actually formulate that stuff. But we're going to go back a little bit first. And um, what was it like as a child for you in, in Japan, uh, particularly before um, sort of an, the equal board, the equal uh um, boundaries were set for women, yeah, for it to do that. Did you always want to be a journalist as a kid? Did, was that something you could dream of uh, as a girl in Japan? Uh, yes. Um, I always liked writing, mm. editing my stuff, um, uh, writing short stories. And and then when I entered uh, the, the university that I went to, I kind of ran out of what to write about. So that's how, you know, I started talking to different people, not students of mm. my age. So I started working at a cafe. I worked at a sports uh, supply shop. I was tutoring uh, kids. And then, you know, I found something to write about every day. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I was just thinking that it would be really nice if I get paid, just by writing. <laughs> right, that would be nice. <laughs> right. So that's, you know, how I um, tried to get into uh, news organizations. So, so let, let me ask you this question. Mm-hmm. Uh, before you got changed your mindset to do that, you said you wrote short stories and things as a kid. Um like what kind of things? What kind of what kind of fiction and things would you write? What interested you as a, as a child? I, I I there are many, but um, they are always about you know searching for myself mm. or mm. someone's life. Mm. Uh, you know what it means to be uh, real adults or real myself. Mm. And accidentally, uh, you know, I just, you know, uh, finished reading uh, Becoming, uh, okay. written by Michelle Obama. Okay. And, you know, that's kind of resonates uh, what I have been doing uh, because, you know, she, she wrote that she was 54 years old when she wrote that book, but she is still developing herself. Right. right. So I think, you know, in that process, I was writing about maybe myself, but I know when I meet some different people from, you know, different background and different generation, I was always looking for, you know, why they like um, their jobs 
or why they like what they're doing. I, 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 I would like to ask you why you sure. are, you know, doing this. Uh, but, you know, I think, you know, that's the kind of motivation that I, I've been writing short stories back then. Right. Well, I think that's, that's really interesting. And it's probably right to this moment. What fuels your, your work is this, um, it's like a search for yourself, a connection with other people. What's the common sort of denominator between between us as people, and uh, and that's what we do as actors and artists. We try and reflect truthful things to an audience so that they can see themselves. Mm. That's the whole idea to hold the mirror up so they can see themselves. Right, and then also, uh, luckily, I went to a missionary school. Uh, it's a secondary and high school, so mm -hmm. six years. Okay. Uh, and it was founded by missionaries from Michigan State. Oh. And it's the oldest girls' secondary and high school in Japan. Mm. So uh, you don't need to be a Christian to enter that uh, very privileged uh, girls' high school. But... Uh, you have a service every day mm. and you read Bibles and uh, you know 30 years later uh, graduating from that high school I realized that what they are doing was um, based on liberal studies mm. concepts which is very unusual in Japan so uh, through you know if it's science or it's uh, biology or English or Japanese, they are trying to teach us who you want to be. Mm. And that's and that's different. That's sort of outside of typical sort of Japanese culture. Right. Culture. And then that, I think, you know, uh, mandated uh, curriculum. OK. Uh, mandated by the, the Department of Education. Right, right. Uh, it's far from that. Mm. So, so what a it, what a blessing for you. You got you got an education that was unusual. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Definitely. So, when you first started to go into the field, how did you at that time? How did you break in? What were the kinds of things that you got to do? What were the kind of stories you were doing? What What were your first jobs in journalism? And what was journalism like then? Uh, I, I started with a crime beat reporter uh, in a in a local. Um, it, it's a big city, but it's it's called Fukuoka. Mm -hmm. It's in the western islands, and I started visiting um, police stations, wow. uh, fire stations, and nobody taught me what to do, so I just. <laughs> So I, I just remember the first day, uh, you know, my senior reporter took me to uh, a, the biggest police station in the city. And uh, at the entrance, he said, okay, bye, this is your place, you know, start working. Wow. So I didn't know who to visit. So I just went to uh, a reception and then I talked to the, you know, this young, beautiful lady, you know, I am from Kyoto News. It's the biggest news agency in Japan. Uh, could I talk to somebody here? 
Wow. <laughs> so uh, she knew, you know, um, where, where and then who to guide me because, you know, she knew a lot of uh, crime beat reporters. Mm. Um, so she took me to the, the chief of police station. Wow. So what are, for this, for a young woman like you with no, given no instruction on what to do, what are some of the first kind of questions and how are you, are you writing it down on a pad? Are you like, how are you, how are you doing it? How are you actually doing the job? Did, did you know what questions to ask? That kind of a thing. Right. So, um, fortunately, it was, you know, before the Internet. Yes. So, all my senior reporters were filing uh, the excerpts of newspapers. So, I had a, a book of uh, crimes that weren't solved mm. uh, in, the, in the precinct of that biggest police station. Right. So I just, you know, read all the stories and then I went to see the chief of police station and deputy chief of the police station. And then I started asking, you know, sir, uh, what's going on with this case? What's going on with the case? <laughs> then, you know, slowly I started learning, you know, what to talk about. You know, uh, you, know you, you just can't talk in about the uh, unsolved crimes. So all the time, every day, so I started talking about baseball games, <laughs> sumo wrestling, wow. Wow. <laughs> which was really interesting. And you, yeah, I was going to ask, you found that it must have been very interesting to, to for, first of all, how did, when you started on the crime beat as a, as a young woman in Japan, did they, was it easy to get the answers? Were they open, were people that you talked to, like, were the stories easy to open up and write or was it did you have to work a little bit to get stories so um i have to tell you uh, you know i when i became a reporter it was one year after that the japan's government mandated equal footing for men and women okay. so they are very very uh little uh women mm. reporters so I was, when I was hired by the Kyoto News Agency, uh, there were 44 new coming reporters, and uh, women were only three wow. back then. Uh, but, you know, uh, when you are visiting uh, COPS uh, investigation room and, you know, visiting the chief of uh, special task force, uh, I think you know they were welcoming me because oh. just women are very rare in that area. Right. <laughs> they were probably as as fascinated by you as you as you were with the story. They were. It was such a new thing, probably for them. I would think. Right, but I, I really appreciate um, these two years that I covered police stations. Mm. Um, some you know younger um, journalists don't like to be in crime beat because it's too much you know you have to cover murders mm. and the worst thing is uh you have to go to the visit the victim's family mm. and to get the the photo of the victim mm. and then that's the worst part of uh crime beat Right. Uh, so some younger, uh, you know, journalists don't like that, but, you know, I, 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 I thought, you know, it's important to experience something like that, to feel that 
pain, mm -hmm. you know, from real people. Right. And number two, it was a really good opportunity to learn uh, uh, government or municipal government. Mm. A police station is a, a good miniature of a government, uh, you know, in, in such a small building, but, you know, there's, you know, ranking and uh, you have to know who to talk to first. Right. And then, and then maybe you can talk to uh, cops, like average right. cops. Right. So uh, that's helping me even after I came to the United States. Right. So when I go to a, like a fire scene, I know who to talk to. It's the chief, you know, right. not the not the regular guy. Right, right. And then also, um, uh, I started covering presidential campaign back mm. in two thousand eight. It's Obama's campaign, right, right, and then every time I go to rally, um, I know who to talk right, uh, right. from. You know, the their attires or you know how they look. So it's really helping me. Interesting, interesting. So yeah, so you learn the hierarchy of things, and how right. and how how to manage that, and manipulate that to get your way inside to get the right answers. Is this is an exactly. interesting question? I imagine that in journalism, um, establishing rapport and trust is important. Is that like? to get your, the subject to kind of connect with you in a way where they can trust and feel comfortable. Um, is that something you learned right away or is, is, I would imagine that's still important to do. That's, that's very, very important. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, that's, you know, very um, challenging, challenging to yourself as well. Mm. You know, you really have to be honest with, um, you know, someone and then you always tell the truth you never uh, uh, manipulate uh, what I am talking about. You have to think about what you say before you say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, right. Right. And, um, but I think, you know, I learned a lot more about that, you know, kind of relationship uh, after I came to the United States. Sure. Right. So as you moved on in your career, you kind of, I mean, People are going to see as we as we keep talking here that I'm I'm really blessed and honored because you're a this is you're the first real pioneer trailblazer person I've ever talked to because you were uh, like weren't you the one woman in this in in the uh, when you started to do the business uh, news and stuff like that that the Wall Street Journal type stuff uh, right. of Japan you were so alone as a woman basically right. I think so. Yeah, I have many firsts, but you know, it's about timing because you know it's, it was right after right. that the government mandated the law for uh, equal uh, footage, uh, footing uh, between men and women. That uh, I was the first uh, reporter uh, to be in the business news beat mm. department in Kyoto News out of you know seventy to eighty male reporters wow. what was that and like what was that like for you then was it was it uh were you aware of that like were you did you know how how unusual it was, it was? it was really strange they didn't know how to deal with um a <laughs> <the> reporter 
<laughs> so actually, uh, I wanted to uh, be a business news reporter two years before I, you know, I went to the, I was uh, promo promoted to the department. Uh, but um, one of the uh, head of the, the department said, whoa, 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 uh, please wait for, you know, one to two years because we are not ready for female reporters. Wow. And uh, but that that was the same thing for the other de department as well, uh, you know something like political departments, mm -hmm. foreign uh, overseas news departments, uh, all the other departments except uh, culture department, culture so, and life department. So, all the the heavy uh, 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 categories, politics, business, they were saying. Why don't you just wait for a bit? But the lifestyle stuff that was was stuff that they thought uh, uh, women should be doing or something. Is that the right. right? Correct. So, so how did you? So did you have to wait, or how did you get in? How did you finally break through that ceiling? Um, it was so I was put into a a, a kind of team uh, that produces uh, weekly. Uh, feature stories okay. so it's not like you know it's it's very slow mm -hmm. in the news agency it's it's like minute by minute mm -hmm. um, news producing but you know they didn't know how I can deal with that so they put me into a feature stories team for six months mm -hmm. but then uh, you know uh, we had a very bad crop of rice uh, uh, in within six months uh, of being in that team, so I was uh, put into the press, press club of Department of Agriculture. Ah, then okay. I started doing the like regular stuff that my male wow. colleagues were doing. And I guess it's just at that point. Then now it's the work that's standing out. What you're what you're delivering probably is like oh wow. She's very good at this. <laughs> was it? Was that it? Was it the the way you were doing it, or what was? What was? What got you that push up? I just, I just don't know. I just did the you know uh, what I should do, um, but I think um, I have done a lot of feature stories mm. other than minute by minute newswire service stories. I, you know, just try to do a longer feature story um, that I, you know, talked about, uh, like, you know, that have a real human, human stories in it. Right. So I try to travel inside Japan, outside Japan. I challenge myself to think of a feature story that I can travel mm. um, outside, you know, Tokyo. Right. And and I did that every year, right. and that, uh, what I mean long feature story is you know it covers the whole page of a newspaper right. with a really big photo coming uh, with the story. Okay, so let's let's talk about the actual craft of how you do what you do or how you know all the things you've done but all the, the actual how you did it so when you're approaching a feature story um first of all what's you know you have a deadline i would imagine right you have to you have to meet a certain deadline so 
what are some of the things you do? Uh, it, it, it involves interviewing people, I guess, and then it's writing out an outline and, and then like, how do you actually do it? What's your day like? What is, what, what does the journalist do? What do they get up and they go somewhere? Like, how do you do it? So uh, two things. First of all, you know, when you are uh, a beat of agriculture, you go to the press club of, uh, inside the Department of Agriculture building every single day, like 9 a.m., 10 a.m., mm. and then some people come 1 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you uh, check the, uh, the, you know, back then was the, all the press releases were papers. Yes. So you flip all papers and then uh, try to find out something right about. And uh, in every single day, you have uh, press um press uh, conferences mm. uh, from, you know, uh, two days a week, uh, there are press conferences from minister of the departments mm. um, and uh, deputy ministers and then all the other um, middle management uh, uh, chiefs uh, in each department. So uh, we, you know, join the press conference and ask questions and then right away you know if you're a newswire service reporter right away you go back to your um, seat and then you start writing mm -hmm. and you know uh, they are very very short and crisp stories sure. because um, so you know it was like a, a game you know it's, it's like a sports so you have uh, you know that you know the story is gonna get the big headline uh, right after the press conference. You call the editor, and uh, I have this, mm. and I'm going to uh, tell you the headline of breaking news right away, right now mm. on the phone. And then he types out, and then it goes um, to the uh, client news news organizations. And I say in 15 minutes to 20 minutes, I have one paragraph wow. of the story, and you do that. And in other 20 minutes, you uh, finish the whole thing, which is the maybe uh, a little bit longer sure. than the first one. So that's like you know, okay, five minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes. Wow. <laughs> and did you did you uh, did you like the pace of that? Did you like having to yes. do okay De definitely i i kind of miss that right now because <laughs> i'm writing and much longer stuff right right now uh but i i think in the, i i really like that because uh it's the it's the pace and the pace uh i think it signifies um how important that you know the 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 piece is right. how much interest that you get from your readers. Mm. So, um, you know, usually if I say to my editor, okay, I will say to you the headline that goes to the front page mm. of all the local newspapers, which, right. you know, adds up to 20 million wow. uh, copies. And so you, that's you know kind of exciting. Very, very exciting. Yeah, it's immediate. It's 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 right there. Do you right. is it is it the same now? I would imagine the way technology has changed journalism now is I would imagine the pace is even faster now. It's it's literally the cycle. The news cycle is so short. It's like by minute by minute. 
Right. So uh, when I came to the New York Bureau of Kyoto News, you know, that was mostly online. So mm. I, I didn't need to call my editor, right. basically. So you just type in the headline and then the breaking news and wow. then the first uh, lead and then the second uh, story, second piece uh, mm. that was all on uh, software, you know, customized software right. uh, for the news agency. And I would think that the... The, the thing that, that terrifies me thinking about it is your facts better be on the money correct because you, there's no time, like what you're writing is going right out, so you have to be accurate. Right, right. So um, I still dream, I know how, how I was horrified by, you know, something really big, like when I was uh, on the business news beat in New York Bureau, uh, the Nissan Motors mm -hmm. announced uh, that they were going to General Motors. And it was filed uh, as a document to uh, security uh, uh, exchange committee right, right. in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So that's huge. So you know, in that case, I had to call my editor mm. in Tokyo, and I just you know saw the headline on the Associated Press, and I just you know called him right away. But um, I wasn't use I wasn't using. Uh, Google Translate or anything like that. So I just had to trust my, you know, ability to understand um, correctly something big written in English. Right. So it was like... <laughs> <laughs> sure. Because in, in, in that form of journalism, business journalism, uh, you know, things can move markets. I would think the wrong word, the wrong. Right. And then believe it or not, you know, the editor that I called told me, no, that can't be happening. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it was too huge for him. <laughs> wow. wow. That's incredible. So. Right. So how long were you in the in doing the, the business journalism? You did that for quite a while, right? Uh. 10 years. 10 years. Ten, ten, and in, ten, in ten. Japan, if I read correctly, it's sort of like a, a, an understood, like a lifetime commitment kind of a thing. Like they expect you to kind of be there or everybody kind of sticks in that forever, right? Isn't that yeah. how? Right. Um, that's correct. Um, so, you know, I entered Kyoto News and everybody, including my family, friends, everybody thought that I would uh, work for the news agency for lifelong until I become 60 years old or 61, 62. And um, in, in Japan, that's as a matter of course. Mm. Everybody does that. Mm. Uh, things are changing a little by little. So when I quit Kyoto News to become a um, an independent journalist in New York City. I just called myself an independent, you know, even I didn't have any assignments back then. Right. People thought that I just went mad. 
Now, crazy. This is interesting because, again, we're talking cross culturally here. I, I'm I'm curious. Why do you think? What do you think that is about? Sort of that mindset that it's like that that was that seemed strange for them. What do you think that is? It, it was just unthinkable to leave a big company like that. Right. It's you know you had a thousand reporters. It's equivalent to the Associated Press. Right, right. And then you get paid monthly for lifelong. Right, right. And then so you get good compensation for mm. retirement. So the security of it, uh, they couldn't see you just giving that up. And, right. And what was it that made, why did you do that? Why did you want to? Um, two reasons. Uh, so a year before I quit Kyoto News, I lost my colleague. Uh, he collapsed in the office in New York City, in Midtown, New York City. And he just passed away mm. because of brain hemorrhage. Wow. So after that, you know, all the reporters in the office were so traumatized. And uh, he died five minutes before five o'clock in the evening. So around that time, you know, I started feeling that a little dizzy. And you have such a, you know, fear that you could die mm. like that yeah. uh, if you keep working in that pace. Mm -hmm. And then uh, it was also, um, you know, in New York City, you have to uh, work for super long hours. So I used to go to the office at 8 a.m. And then I was back at home like midnight or 1 a.m. Wow. Because of the time difference. Wow, yeah, sure. So, so Kyoto News had have and still has i think a, a little over 50 overseas bureaus but when it comes to the time difference i think the new york bureau is um the worst sure. uh, place to work uh, it's just super long yeah hours so i kind of felt um a little burnt out after my assignment as the, the correspondent uh, ended. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, it was a really uh, tense and busy um, three years and a half. So I really didn't have much time to do feature stories that I wanted to do. Right. And then I have been doing for the past 12 years, 13 years mm -hmm. um, since I started working for them. So when I was on the airplane business class and I was thinking about my, you know, future in Kyoto News and I was definitely become, uh, wanted to become the first uh, female uh, editorial uh, team member uh, from the business news department. So I'm, I was kind of thinking about, you know, um, the, that kind of maybe fixed feature in the news agency. But on the other hand, I asked myself, I really didn't talk to real people when I was a correspondent. Right. And then I really didn't do, a, do my favorite human interest stories. Right. So I started thinking, how can I do that? 
know, can I become the editorial member? And then after that, can I come back? But then I thought, you know, I have friends in New York City right now. Why don't I come back right away? <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, so the, the, the stress, the hours, and it wasn't fulfilling the passion, the, which was talking to humans, human beings about their lives and, and their jobs and, their, and why they do what they do. Um, believe me, I totally understand that. I, I totally get that. That's, you, have to, uh, you have to follow those passions in your life because what happens is you do get sick. Your body does come right. back and fight against you at some point if you don't. Mm -hmm. And then uh, one of my friends, uh, you know, his name is Harris Salat, and he's a food journalist. And um, he is, you know, a, a lover, enthusiast about Japanese food. Mm -hmm. So I helped him a lot uh, translating Japanese stuff to English. Mm -hmm. And his stories went to the New York Times. And then there was a great joy that I could help him. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, you know, uh, I, I, I really didn't have time to ask him why you like Japanese food <laughs> so much. You know, right. something like that really stuck, um, you know, uh, in my head. So that's why, you know, I just came back <laughs> so, so to New what, York City. So what are the first things you do when you come back to, to start to do the thing you really want to do? Who are, the, who are some of the first people you talk to and what are the stories you're trying to do? How did you do it? when you changed your life like that? So back then, um, the end of 2006 and the beginning of 2007, I, I, I didn't know nobody who can give me any jobs or assignments. I was just walking around in the city with my camera, mm. taking a lot of photos, and it was super, super fun uh, because, you know, I never did that as, you know, as a correspondent. Mm. I, you know, after three years and a half, I couldn't get on subway without uh, flipping, um, you know, MTA map. Mm. I was always in the office or I was interviewing, uh, visiting people. But, you know, as a, as, a, as a news agency reporter, you just have to, you know, like a straight away back to the office and start writing about it. Mm -hmm. So I never explored the city. So I just enjoyed, you know, something that I n never done in the past um, three years and a half. Mm -hmm. And then I started talking to my friends as well. But interestingly, the, the first assignment that I got was not from Japanese news organization. It was from Daily News. Wow. Through a, through a mutual friend of uh, uh, an editor at the Daily News. Hmm. So back then, uh, the President, President Bush wanted to send the... Um, uh, enhance the troops number uh, in Iraq right. and uh, he wanted to know uh, what other countries people think about that uh, the surge as they called it right yes. right right the surge um, so I was kind of picked up to represent um, 
Japanese people's opinion. Interesting. So I wrote I wrote the piece,、uh, but I never wrote a, a, a news piece in English.、Oh. So I think you know it was terrible.、Oh, After、right. a long conversation with the editor, he nicely, beautifully <laughs> rewrote it. Aha.、Uh-huh. Okay. And it was carried in the new, in the daily news one day. Wow, that's so, so your first your first uh, English uh, uh, written article was the New York Daily News. That's yes. Wow. <laughs> I wonder what I wonder what President Bush thought about、uh, those articles when he read them. <laughs>、um, so. So here's this is an interesting question because I want to get into some of the some of the folks you've gotten to talk to. You've gotten to talk to like Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook, and you'd recently talked to Michael Bolton,、uh, Michael Bolton,、uh, John Bolton, John Bolton. <laughs> John Bolton about his book uh, uh, last year about、uh, his Bush years and all that stuff. So you've gotten to meet and, and speak with uh, uh, really high powered folks. But when you're doing when you want to do a human interest story. Like,、uh, unlike other artists, are journalists inspired? Like, do you wake up in the night and go, "Oh, I have an idea," like a poet or a painter or an actor or somebody, do you, or a musician? Do you do you get inspired to do a certain job, or is, or does the or do you kind of get an assignment and then get inspiration from that? Which comes first? Do you you know you understand what I'm saying? Sure.、Um, so all the executives that I interviewed with.、Uh, Are for this magazine called Aira, A E R A, and、um, it's you know gloss, glossy,、mm. prestigious magazine published by one of the largest national newspapers、mm. in Japan. So it's like the New York Times magazine.、Right. So you know because、uh, of its presence, you know they get uh, uh, appointments with. These high-profile people,、right. but I, you know, since I'm based in New York City, they asked me to interview、right. with them. So、uh, it's not from my inspiration,、mm-hmm. but you know, I'm very inspired by you know talking to them.、Sure. And、um, and but the other、uh, thing that I'm you know inspired by, and you know, kind of pitching、uh, the ideas of stories. Is you know just talking to people.、Okay. Uh, so right now,、uh, for example, you know the Black Lives Matter movement. Right.、Um, so right after it's kind of spread out in the United States, I called my friend、uh, Daniel Chavez,、uh, living in North Carolina, and then we talked about it. And、uh, next moment, okay, I have to. Uh, write about it, and the headline is going to be like it,、um, and、uh, you know, and then of course you know, it has to be different headline from those、uh, of mainstream media、right. in Japan. So while I was talking with Daniel, he said、um, the Black Lives Matter movement is not good for his. Friends and peers, because he gets five to six messages from friends from all over you know, this country,、uh, asking him, "Are you safe today? Are you safe? Are you all right?"、Mm. So the movement could make or cause a backlash. 
to African American. Mm. That was his concern. Sure. So that made my headline. Mm. So are you sure? Five messages in the morning. Wow. So so that brings me to an interesting question about journalism in in this day and age. It's a very politically correct, sensitive. Uh, there's a there's a woke culture. Um, do you have to be careful how you write things now? Can you be as free and as truthful? Are you aware of other agendas? Like, I mean, that very thing, the backlash that comes from just reporting on something. Is that something you have to be aware of when you write today? Right, of course. But I think, you know, basically that's the agendas that all the journalists have to have, mm. you know, to be, to be balanced. And then, you know, in order to be balanced, you just have to collect a lot of facts. You're reading, you know, the Associated Press, the New York Times, you know, sometimes you watch Fox News, you know, you collects all the information from everywhere and YouTube videos and then you talk to real people. Right. Then you think really hard, you know, what position you have to take. Uh, um, since, you know, I'm not the news agency reporter anymore, I have to put my message into my story right now. Mm. So that's, you know, how I kind of process uh, uh, facts and okay. uh, stories from people, and and then I have to put my message in between the lines. Right. So right. that's you know how I really uh, put put a lot of time into that, and you know to and then also to be correct, accurate, right. to tell the truth as well. Right. And to put a lot of data to convince people. Right. So, so writing uh, feature style journalism where it's where you have a personal perspective that you're you're putting into. It's an editorial that you're. Mm -hmm. that, so there's there's your, you know, what you want to say is underneath, but you got to make sure all the facts are balanced from everywhere so that. Right. I got gotcha. you. So, what is it uh, right now that you? that you want to say? Like, what are some of the things you're, like you mentioned that article, what are some of the things you're looking to talk about uh, right now? Right now, um, so, you know, just this morning, I talked about uh, the Asian fate, uh, hate, right. uh, crime and harassment to two radio shows in Japan. And one was for 10 minutes and the other one is almost 30 minutes. So. No, that's really long reporting. Sure, I'm. am cu curious. Uh, I'm curious. What is there? What is the reaction in in Asian countries like, like Japan? What? How do they look at that? What's happening here in this country? How do they? What's the perspective they have on it? Do you know? So to me, uh, to me, the the reaction was very very slow mm. uh, because you know the the shooting in. Atlanta, Georgia happened three weeks ago. Right. And you know, right now they're talking about it. Mm. And they want to know uh, what's happening in the United States in terms of Asian Americans and Asian descent. Right. So 
I really kind of, you know, frustrated mm. that, you know, they didn't pay attention to um, the shooting in Atlanta. Mm. Uh, but now they slowly realize that the Asian means it includes Japanese people. Ah, uh, okay. So yeah. that's why, you know, they want me to talk about it. Right. And you know the all all the you know they gave me all like a similar questions like why don't you say wait you know when you are attacked can you say I'm Japanese? Ah, and, interesting. Oh, no way. Interesting. You know, um, be, because you know a lot of people you know didn't go overseas uh, from from Japan right. outside Japan. Right. Um, and you know Japan is still the the biggest economic power in in Asia. Right. I mean the second right. largest. I'm sorry, next to China. Right. Uh, and also uh, in in Japan, uh, it's 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 very homogeneous. Yes. Uh, you know uh, culture and society. Right. Very so uh, close. People only right. People only know Japanese right. uh, as a race. Right. So you never know about uh, racial fascinating so so nation or harassment. So to them, at that moment, it was like there there was a there was a anti Asian uh, bias crimes happening in the United States, but it's not us. It must be the Chinese, or it must be like they were. They were thinking it was somebody else. Other, they didn't include themselves in this sort of interesting, mm -hmm. interesting. right? And so every time you know, I have to tell, uh, you know, in a radio reporting or whether it's TV reporting, that average American people don't tell from Japanese, from right. Chinese, right. Korean, Filipino, even you know, South Asian. People like right. you know Indians, Bangladesh. Right. So, so then they are like, "Oh, is that true?" Wow! Wow! <laughs> Interesting! Wow! Well, then you are a very important uh, reporter at this particular juncture in history because you're you're helping the world outside of here understand exactly what's happening. That's that's quite a quite a, a responsibility and a, and a feat that you've accomplished. Right. But I also want, you know, my audience to know that, you know, it's not only racial issues. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, even in Japan, there are a lot of, you know, uh, harassment, discrimination mm. um, problems uh, against uh, probably single mothers, mothers with little kids, uh, disabled people. And very sadly, last year, uh, the COVID-19 uh, patients mm. and then also uh, healthcare employees were attacked uh, in some places in Japan. What, what was, I don't, I'm not, why, why COVID-19? Uh, so... People think that these patients and uh, medical uh, employees uh, could bring 
virus、ah. to the society. So, it was,、um, so for example, in a very small village,、uh, there was you know, one case、uh, appeared, and this patient's house had to be guarded by policemen、wow. because people started throwing、wow. stones, stuff like that. Wow. So, it's you know, from bias, too. Yeah. So, you know, I have to tell that it's not only, you know, it's not only about racial stuff, you know, it's, it's there are so many small layers of discrimination in、right. our society in Japan as well. Right. And I think, so, I think you can see when you start to dive into these stories, you really see that the root of all of this is fear. It's, it's、right. the fear of the unknown, fear of the other, fear of. Losing what you have, fear of somebody, of your life, of your somebody taking it's always this fear and usually unfounded. Right,、uh, right. That creates、and、this I, hate. I even have, you know, those fears、sure. that I try to control that. Right.、Um, do you? Of course, absolutely.、Yeah. And I think when you, as you live your life, I mean, We both know that you go through the, the darkest periods of your life where you see sort of the reflection of the darkest parts of yourself, and you go, Okay, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to live in that fear because it, it just turns into anger and resentment and hate, and then it, it becomes something else. So I think、uh, as you evolve, you start to put fear. In its place. And I、mm-hmm. think most people haven't done that. That's, what, that's what's happening here. And then when you have a media and a, and a world that kind of fuels on, thrives on it and, and fuels that fear, it's, it's, not a good, it's not a good combination because people、mm-hmm. just get angrier and angrier. Right, right. So,、uh, you know, I just、uh, let people know that, you know, don't those fears overcome you. Right. Um, you know, it's, it, it could happen anytime, you know, against LGBTQ,、um, you know, other race,、uh, other ethnicity, other religious people, or, you know, someone that l o o k different from you or your family members.、Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, don't let fear、um, control you. Yeah. So let me ask you. I'm going to go back to a little bit of craft and then I won't keep you too much longer, but a little bit more of the craft. So we talked about the fast pace,、uh, how you had to do it, you know, on the phone, type out a paragraph on the phone, and then later on on the computer. But in,、uh, in, in your life now, where you're doing longer form stuff, what is your. Writing day like? What is your, like, do you you work on things for for a day and, and do you sit down? Do you give yourself a time of day where you start? And like, what is the working day like as you write something like this? Right. So it's very, very different、yeah. from you know, the, the pace uh, based uh, life as a news agency reporter.、Um, so I will give you an example. The, m- maybe a、uh, uh, m- A long story for a news agency reporter means 400 letters, 400 symbols、okay. in, in Japanese. Right now, I am doing something like 4,000 to 5,000. 
So I really, again, have to collect a lot of information, mm. um, talking to people as well. But the, uh, I think you know, the biggest difference is um, how to structure my story. Because uh, the news agency's reporting is very short and clips. So, you know, if you type in all the uh, important facts, you know, that's the end of the story. Right, right. <laughs> you know, you're done. Right, yeah. As they call it here, burying the lead. You don't want to bury the lead. Right, right, <laughs> right. right, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but right now, for 4,000 to 5,000 uh, symbols story, I really have to uh, uh, craft and structure my story so that people uh, keep reading mm -hmm. until the end of my story. Right. So the lead is really important. And uh, even after I have everything in my hand, uh, I keep thinking about what could be the lead of the story. Mm. Uh, so, for example, you know, yesterday I just finalized my story about Michelle Obama. Mm. I've been read the, uh, the Becoming, mm -hmm. and the, I was thinking about the lead, and then I just walking on the streets yesterday, and then I just thought, okay, I will start from uh, at 10 p.m., November 4th of 2008 mm. because I was in Chicago. Mm. Oh, wow. I was in Chicago in Grand Park with 240,000 people. <laughs> wow. And a lot of, you know, African-American um, supporters. Sure. And when we saw the breaking news uh, on big screens uh, uh, in the park, oh, my goodness, all the... You know, black people were um, kneeling down or just uh, lying on the stomach, crying, <laughs> crying, crying. And I've never seen something like that. Right. And a couple uh, stood up and then came to my came to me because I had a big, you know, big camera. And then they 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 asked me, uh, "Will you take a photo of?" A Negro couple, wow. uh, and uh, because this is the happiest moments of our life. Right, right, right. Uh, sorry, I'm getting no. a little bit emotional. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but you know, that was maybe the 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 most impressive thing that happened to my um, journalists, you know, Korea. Wow. And and. An hour later, you know, I saw Obama and Michelle. Mm -hmm. And Michelle was, you know, she looked stunning. Right. And then one thing that, you know, that I, that I remember um, strongly is that Barack Obama called her that, you know, she is 16-year best friend <laughs> and future first lady. You know, he didn't call her my wife. Right. And that was very, very, very impressive. Right. So I started my story about Michelle Obama from from that point. That scene. Wow. But uh, but um, 
I always keep thinking about the lead of my next story. Right. And then that occupies a lot of time, like, you know, when I'm cooking, I'm walking on the streets, I'm shopping. Right. So, uh, and I, would, know, I, I, would, I, I, I'm sorry. Yes. I would think that that example is it, it's when you're thinking about how to structure that thing so that you pull that reader in and, and they can, it's right there. It's something that personally was so affecting to you, so powerful to you. So if it, if it's going to do that to you, you have to assume that the reader is going to feel the same way. So that's how you know it's right. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You, you, yeah. you felt it and you know, it's a human thing to feel that. What an amazing thing. So you covered that whole campaign for, for Japan, correct? You covered that as a correspondent. Right. So that's, you know, 2008. Right. So, um, that was my first, um, campaign, presidential campaign. And you, election campaign. you went around the entire United States and, and kind of followed the campaign. Right. I studied from Iowa caucuses. Wow. And, um, so, uh, so far, I think you know, I've been to over 40 states out right. of 50. Wow. A lot more than I have. So, uh, so, <laughs> so what do you, what were your impressions, uh, at that point and have they changed now that you've been here for so long? Like what were you, what are your, what were your impressions of the country as you toured it around the regular folks, the, the people on the campaign, the whole thing. What did you feel about it then? And has it changed now that you are here now? Uh, a lot, I should say. Well, that's a tough question because we had, you know, eight years Obama right. and then four years of Trump. Right. And then, you know, that was really different. Yes. And uh, uh, of course, you know, when you think about the, the current uh, Asian hate crime, uh, you would think that, you know, the four years of Trump administration, it's affecting this, even though, you know, there is a long history of anti-Asian right. mindset. Right. Uh, so uh, this country is evolving, um, changing, um, and... I don't know if it's going to right way or not, but what I really love about this country and its people is you know, they're trying really hard. Right. You know, for every four years, you know, they really think hard and talk about it. And among family members at a bar, you know, everywhere they're talking about it and then they 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 go to votes, right. uh, you know. So, and then that's that's how they're trying to lead this country better place. Right. Uh, yeah, make you, their lives better. Right. I think you're seeing, unfortunately, for the rest of the world, and some somehow for us, is you actually seeing uh, us work it out live. <laughs> you're seeing all the internal. Uh, 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 guilts and sins and things that we have to fix. We do it right out in front of everybody. So, so you get eight years of one thing and four years. I mean, we literally are two, two totally different countries sometimes. And, and we're playing it out, playing out this experiment right out there in, 
in real time in front of everybody. So it looks like these wild swings of ideology, but that's who we are. We're, we're working it right. out. It's still an experiment. Right, right. But I, I just, you know, uh, really appreciate, you know, the, the people, you know, mm. American people for trying <laughs> very hard every day. And then sometimes you get, you know, good results. For example, you know, the, the vaccine right now, it's yeah. amazing. Uh, I think, you know, uh, 3 million people are getting vaccinated uh, right now, whereas in Japan, it's only 6,500 a day. Mm. So it will take a, a long while to get all the adults vaccinated. But people don't complain. Mm. They're not trying to complain. They're not trying to make things better right uh as a society right there's wow. that's the sort of the trade-off is we have this volatility that's here but it it tends to move things progressively forward where right. a more conservative sort of you know uh culture might, right, might, right. Be, might be more stable but it 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 sure. suppresses things down a little bit Stable and then maybe secure because you know people talk about, you know, why do I uh, do I do when I get sick after vaccination? <laughs> but here, you know, okay, we have twenty to thirty people who got really sick after the the second vaccination, but yeah. they didn't die. Right. So let's three million people get vaccinated every single day. Right, right. So <laughs> yeah. that's the power of you know this country. Exactly. Now I'm curious. Uh, you have faith in the in the in the people, and you and you appreciate the, the the folks of this country. What do you think the responsibility of your art form, your craft, journalism, is to informing those people so that they know how to make those choices? What do you think journalism has to be to to so that the people can trust it and believe? Like that's that's a very important part of our constitution. Is is that is the media is the is the press the free press what do you what are your thoughts on that what do you think the responsibility of journalism is to the populace of the country uh the the responsibility is i think number one you know it's it hasn't changed historically uh it's you know very important to be a part of responsibility of civil rights mm. uh you know that's contributing to uh, freedom of um, speech. Um, you know, it's not only for the uh, journalists, it's for everybody. So, uh, you know, you, like, uh, the media organizations and the journalists have to show that you have that right and then freedom and then, you know, uh, and uh, to reinforce, uh, to protect that freedom, um, journalists are working. So, you know, I really like uh, a lot of reporters and journalists are tweeting right now <laughs> to, 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 to kind of, you know, interact with uh, readers and viewers right. and um, trying to uh, let them know how important their reporting coverage uh, are. Uh, because, you know, when it was, you know, only printed newspapers and then the TV um, news shows, they really didn't try to do that. But right, right, right. now, you know, uh, we are uh, kind of 
very conscious that we are part of society mm. than any, any other era of this country's history. Right. And uh, reporters and journalists are trying to be one part of uh, society and the real people right. to protect uh, freedom of coverage and uh, of speech as well. Well, it's interesting. Uh, and the danger, the only danger for journalism there, I mean, what's great is it democratizes everybody's voice where journalists can speak directly through tweets and things right to the people. Uh, politicians can, all these people can, but unfortunately the danger now is I guess the, those, those corporations that control that, the Twitters, the Facebooks, the Instagrams, whoever, they we have to figure out what their role is in policing their places because they can silence voices in ways that aren't free and i wonder if you think that affects how journalism is done does that affect how you do your job that that sometimes the voice is held in the palm of the hand of these huge corporations for instance you spoke with zuckerberg facebook i mean do you get the impression that they have the same value for freedom of speech that that we do? Um, they, um, yes, I think they do. They do. But, you know, they kind of cut the uh, information from their um, news feeds uh, because there were disinformation and misinformation that uh, could have... A tremendous harm uh, on on the society, and uh, but you know it's apparently I think you know Angela Merkel uh, said the same thing. But apparently, it's not these platform companies to 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 make a decision. Okay, you know this is a disinformation. This is right. a information, and this guy is good or bad. I think, you know, uh, uh, some kind of regulation, yes. uh, governmental or federal regulation should decide, um, you know, how to control uh, their uh, monitoring. Sure. Because I think in our in our best in our best uh, uh, um, dreams, we want to be open so that we hear it all. The good, the bad, as long as it's not dangerous, but you need to hear everything. Uh, even the university of this country still need to have a, a chance to hear the sides and let the stories be told on the sides that you don't agree with. And I think that's the best part of what journalists do, right, is you, you show us everything and mm -hmm. say you decide. Right. But fortunately, um, you know, the traditional journalism survive, uh, you know, any sort of social media because they are doing the right thing mm. every single day. Yeah. Um, did you ever want to do um, like television journalism? Did you ever want to do anything like that? Was that was it always writing for you or did you ever want to be into? It's, yeah, it's been always writing uh, for me. But um, in the, uh, back in 2016, when I was uh uh, covering Trump's rally, mm -hmm. uh, one Tokyo TV station 
asked me to do a, like a nine to ten minutes ah, day. Okay. So I worked with a you know videographer and then director. Oh, cool. Yes, it was it was fun. Uh, it was uh, kind of random. <laughs> um, um, yes, uh, I would love to do that again. Yeah, sure. So let's talk about, I'm going to do a couple more things and then we'll let you go. Just a couple of the more um, interesting folks you've gotten to talk to and what you, because we started with this interview about how you want to get to the human part of these people that you're talking, really, really get to the humanity and the, and the human interest of it. So when you talk to somebody like uh, Zuckerberg or uh, John Bolton, are, is that in your mind as well? Are you trying to understand what they're really about? And what was it in some of those examples, some of the bigger examples um, that you found that was human that really touched you in, in any way where you understood that? Uh, ab- absolutely. Um, so in terms of the interview to, with uh, Zuckerberg, uh, you know, I always think that you know, I need to... Uh, put uh, a human, hum, human, uh, you know, his personality uh, in my story. Right. Uh, so I asked him, you know, you became a chief executive officer at 25, 26. Um, so how did you learn to become a leader of such a big company? Mm. And... Uh, he said, okay, I read a lot. And uh, I said, I asked him, you know, like how much? I just read a lot. You know, Bill Gates' book uh, and other stuff. And, you know, that was uh, really interesting. And, um, you know, even someone like him, you know, he looks really smart. Mm-hmm. But he had to read a lot mm-hmm. to become a chief executive. So I really like that part, you right. know. Uh, you know, he talked a lot about the uh, strategy and then how to make Facebook bigger, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I really like that, you know, tiny part of uh, right. sh- my interview. It showed his, but, uh, his vulnerability. Right, right, right. Um, um, Ambassador John Bolton... Uh, was you know very friendly person, uh, so I just started you know in the beginning why you wanted to publish your memoir uh, about Trump administration before the election day, and he started yes you know because people should know mm-hmm. what you know its country's leader is, Mr. Trump top aides. Uh, department secretaries and Republican Party couldn't or can't stop his style of governing in the White House. Well, I think the chaos comes from the president himself. You ask why his staff didn't convince him otherwise. A lot of very good people tried and everybody failed. Everybody, including you, would you say? Well, ultimately, sure. That's why I resigned. You know, he really wanted to publish it before the election day. Wow. That, you know, that was the reason. So, you know, that was a really good start of the whole conversation with him. Yes. So, you know, I really love to put some kind of 
um, human face, right. uh, even if it's John Bolton or Mark Zuckerberg or any you know high-profile person. What's one of your your most fa- your personal most favorite interview that you've gotten to do where you really found that story, that human story, and it touched you? Was it was it the Obama campaign, or what, what was the, what was the one thing in your career where you're like, that's one I look back on, and I really it's still. I still feel good about that story. Hmm. Uh, on top of my mind, uh, maybe Malala. Uh, she's a Nobel Peace Award awardee. Uh, Malala Yousafzai. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, she was a little girl uh, living in Pakistan, and then she was shot in the head by. Al Qaeda, mm. and uh, um, but you know she was fortunately uh, uh, got uh, she she fortunately recovered mm. in London uh, hospital, and she started uh, speaking out because it was out, outside her country, so she really uh, uh, started talking to especially young kids that you know they have to get education mm-hmm. wherever or regardless of any situation and uh, um, I think you know she came to the United Nations and she said uh, something like you know one pencil can change the world something like that I have to look it up, but I you know. Right, right. So she uh, is a very, very powerful person, although she's very young. And I interviewed her in London. And uh, again, you know, I had to, oops, you know, I had to, I, I know that she's a you know, super, super smart kid, but I, I, I wanted to know, uh, you know, her kid side of personality. <laughs> yes. So uh, it was only 25 minutes with six other journalists Mm. that I asked her um, at the beginning that what was the most happiest thing that happened to you recently? Mm. And she said, oh, I got all A's uh, at the, you know, the end of the semester. And I was like, yes. Wow, that's great. (laughs) Wow. So that's so there's a it's for you it's always there's hope there's a hope you know there's a right. hope uh, of a of a future that uh, that's educated and free and 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 a young person like that right. know, exemplifies it hope and then you know strong message mm-hmm. to other people you know even to me that was really impressive you know to have talked to her you know. I asked her, you want to be the prime minister in Pakistan? And she said, yes, if I have a chance. And then right after that, we talked to her father. And then I asked the same question. And her father is like, Uh (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) But uh, yes, hope and positive side that we can learn, like everybody can learn yes. uh, from you know the person that I interview with. All right, that's awesome. Last little thing then, um, 
what uh, first of all are, are have you written a bo books as well or did it right yes so are you still do you still want still doing that or are you do you have any other kind of book ideas uh, in the future that you want to do right um so i was asked asked by one of the biggest publisher companies in japan to write about kamala harris okay you know, because she's the first mm -hmm. um, African-American and female right. vice president. So um, people want to know, you know, why she could do that. You know, what kind of person could do that. Right. And um, to kind of reinforce her um, life story, I want to add other, you know, uh, inspiring uh, women uh, from this country such as Michelle Obama, uh, Stacey Abrams, mm. uh, AOC, mm -hmm. and the leader of Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, her name is Alicia Gaza. Mm -hmm. To understand more about why you know someone like Michelle Obama and Kamala Harris uh, could be so strong and uh, persistent to pursue their dreams, you know, until it comes true. Right. Excellent. All right. Last thing then. So what would you say? I, I think I'm, I think I know the answer to this because I've gotten to talk to you now for an hour and it's pretty obvious, but what would you say to the young person who wants to set out into a career in journalism, whether it's, you know, hardcore journalism, you know, or feature type stuff, or the writer who wants to be like you, a journalist, what's the advice? What are the things they need to feel and know? And what should they be looking to do? Uh, I don't think it's, you know, not only for journalism, but, you know, uh, I think it's, it's very, very important to keep uh, doing what you really want to do, what you really love to do. And in that process, you will find a kind of smaller focus area that you can pursue. So, for example, you know, that's human story for me. But, you know, I have been doing business stories for more than 10 years before that. Right. But I, even, you know, when I was a business news reporter, I was interested in um, human story. And, and I was thinking that uh, business and economy are about people's desire, people demand uh, what kind of life they want to have. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it was kind of one thing led another. Right. So, um, you know, even if you are not journalist, um, you know, you're engineer or a photographer, uh, you know, just, just pursue to find what you really love to do. Right. That's it. Follow the love, stay away, yes. stay away from the fear, and keep the hope going. And I think that's what, and then you'll be okay. Great summary. <laughs> Keiko, I really appreciate all the time you gave me. Uh, you're uh, a trailblazer for women in Japan and women all around the world and journalists in general. And uh, uh, I'm honored, honored that I got the chance to talk with you. And I really appreciate you. Uh, give me all oh, this time. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it, and, and I'm honored to have you know conversation with you too. Excellent. It was very inspiring. Excellent. Stimulating. Well, good. 
Good. All right. I love it. So uh, best of luck with everything and, uh, and stay in touch. I'd love to hear all the great stuff that you're going to do. Sure, sure. Thank you so much. 